God, I pray that we would just be fully submitted to what you're doing in our lives and that we would be trusting in you, Lord. And I know there are things going on here in the church, Lord. We thank you for answering prayer. We thank you, Lord, for um, working in our lives, giving us strength even when we don't get the answers that we want. But Lord, we do ask that you be at work and that you be healing, that you be working in us, God, according to your will for your glory. And so, God, take this time this morning and use it to equip us to be the kind of kids that you've called us to be and, and to walk in the way that you've called us to walk. Use this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, turn your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to continue our study there uh, this morning. And if you do need a Bible, we have some, some Bibles in the back. Um, and you can grab one if you didn't bring one. If you have a device, feel free to use it. Um, we're going to get into the next section in Colossians chapter 1, and, and Colossians really is um, letters that, you know, you could spend a sermon on every verse. I mean, it's just rich in theology and in, in doctrine and teaching and, and strengthening, and, um, and and what we're going to look at in the two, se- the two different things that we're going to look at um, this morning, is we're going to talk about being faithful ministers as we look at Epaphras' um, example. And then we're also going to look at the power of prayer and how it equips us. And so um, it's interesting, as, as I was thinking about this text and as I was praying over it and, and staring at my screen, trying to get started on my notes, you guys ever have a paper to write and you just stare at the screen and nothing's happening? And like time is just going by and you're like, I, I got nothing. You know, I'd, so a lot of times I get to that place and I'll just be thinking and trying to process it. And what came to mind was this, is that there are people on this earth that the earth loves more. And, and by that, I mean this. Everything that they touch turns green, and, and all the flowers that they plant grow and, and, and blossom and bloom and grow. You know, like it, everything that they touch, it just, it, it just works in, in the earth, and their garden yields twice as much as mine. Their grass actually is greener. You know, I've talked about that before, but like there's, there's different things that happen, and, and they, they could have a wedding in their backyard at any moment. You know, it's like this, this constant thing. Like, you could just walk into their backyard and have a wedding because it's that beautiful. It's that well manicured. You know, I would need a green screen and CGI to pull it off. Like, it, it just, there's no way that this is going to be a memorable, well, it would be a memorable event, but not for the reasons I want it to be, right? And so, the last time I checked, though, as I was thinking about this, I was like, some people just have these beautiful landscapes and all these things. The last time I checked, they're not superhuman. These people aren't superhuman, right? They don't have some supernatural gift. They may have a gifting on planning and arranging, but, you know, they're still using dirt. And maybe their dirt has more nutrients than yours, but we can fix that with a little thing called manure. And, and so there's, there's ways to do that, but here's, here's my point. These people aren't superhuman that have these amazing gardens and lawns and all these things. The difference lies in the attention and the time that's given. The difference lies in the attention that's given, the time that's invested. They've been faithful, and they've worked really hard to produce a beautiful outcome, right? And we understand this concept because it applies to many things in our lives. When you give time to something, when you invest in it, when you put in the the blood and the sweat and the work, you will yield a product or produce something from that. Now, sometimes, you know, I can labor over something that I'm just not talented at and it doesn't turn out the way I want it, but working at that skill, you can get better and you can improve it. And so when God saved us through Christ, he entrusted the gospel to us. When God saved us through Jesus, he entrusted the gospel message to us. He put his stamp on us, he filled us with his spirit, and he entrusted the gospel to us. He gave us the ability and the time to go into a wasteland and produce a crop. 
you know, we look at our world today and we wouldn't exactly say this is great ground to plant on, just looking at our, our culture today. Well, the world's always been this way since Genesis 3. The world's always been struggling with this sin, even when God wiped it clean, you know, and Noah gets in the boat with his family. You know, it, it's crazy that the, the thing that we talk about um, not often enough, I think, when we look at the story of Noah and the ark, is that the one thing that survived in the ark was the thing we didn't want to, and that's sin. Sin survived in the ark. You know, all these animals and Noah and his family, we, we don't stop to think about that. Sin survived it as well in them. And it continues on, and we see it happen the moment they step off. And since then, we've been in this struggle. We've been in this wasteland. We've been working and striving and by the toil and, and, and trying to see God do something. As believers, since we've come to Christ, we don't see instant results, just like in the process of planting and cultivating, do we? You know, you want to walk up to every person and go, get saved, and be like, yes, and just fall to their knees, you know. Or, you know, you want to, you want to be able to win someone to Jesus in one coffee meeting. You know, and like, and put that out there on Facebook. One coffee meeting with Mike and you'll be saved. You know, like, get your schedule done today or whatever. It's like you want to be able to offer that to people, but it doesn't work like that. And in my experience, what, what most often takes place is you build relationship with the person. You're given the opportunity to sow seeds, and then God brings something from that because it's going to be a work that he does. I can't produce that in people. The spirit is what draws people. I'm there giving the message. I'm the messenger. I'm the ambassador, right? All throughout scripture, we see that. And so we are here to administer the gospel to the soil of human hearts. There's planting and there's watering that happens. And a lot of times we do this as a team, right? We do this as a team. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul describes it this way to the church in Corinth in verses 6 through 9. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, another teacher, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor, for we are God's co-workers, you are God's field, God's building. I love the pictures that Paul you know, paints with this. He says, you're God's field. You're his building. You're this thing that he is building up or he is causing to grow. But recognize this, when a, when a farmer puts the seed into the ground, he can do all the things to create the right environment, but that seed is going to grow because of something that's outside of his control. Something that's outside of his control. And so Paul says, as we do this with the gospel, as we send the gospel out, and as we speak the truth, God is the one who's going to cause something to happen in lieu of that. So to see growth, thinking of it in this way, there has to be perseverance, there has to be steadfastness, there has to be faithfulness, there has to be a, and I've described it as we've talked in our leadership teams a lot, there has to be a grind. There has to be a way for us to put our shoulder down and grind. You know, it's, it's fun to pick up a lot of yardage in every play, but you know what opens up the holes for those plays? is the one yard, the two yard, the three. I know I'm using football analogies, but like there's, there, there's a grind to this life. There's times where it's just going to be hard and we have to put our shoulders down and push and push and push. And even an inch of headway matters. Even a little bit of headway matters because we're going to open up opportunities in the future by being faithful, by being steadfast, and by persevering. And so the Colossians had been well taught and faithfully cared for. And that crop was starting to grow. There is so much value in being faithful to the task that God has called you to. And because of the faith, the love, and the hope that Paul made note of in last week's text, these things are, st we know that there's growth in the church because those are the things that, that, that's the produce that comes from it. 
That's the fruit that's starting to come from it. Faith, hope, and love in the body is the product of faithful planting, faithful and steadfast feeding. And so we need to take this into our families and into our, our, our churches and as a church do this amongst each other that we are being faithful in these ways. And the example that we're going to see at the beginning of our text is a man who did that. And so Paul's going to recognize him. And due to his faithful watering and care, Paul's going to pray for the next step in their maturity to take place. Because it doesn't stop here. It's like, oh, look, things are starting to grow out of the ground. Now, that's just the beginning. More needs to happen. And so let's seek the Lord and, and see what he would have for us in our text this morning. Let's read Colossians 1, verses 7 through 12, and, and then we'll break it down. Reads this way. Paul speaking, he says, you learn this, the things that we talked about last week. Um, you learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he's told us about your love in the spirit. And for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you that may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. It's a powerful thing to think about when you read a, a passage like that, to see just what God desires to do in us, to see how he wants to grow us and to see where he wants to take us. It begins with a faithful minister like Epaphras. It begins with someone who's there faithfully teaching, investing, and growing these people. And so he says, you learned, as he's speaking from, from prior, um, from our text before, um, you learn from Epaphras, our dearly fellow servant, verse 7, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Faithful minister of Christ. That's something I want tagged on to me forever. Faithful minister of Christ. It doesn't need to be seen as being successful in the world's eyes. It doesn't need to be something that, that made a name or had a brand or all these different things. Just faithful minister of Christ. It's beyond me that God uses us to transmit the gospel to people. It's beyond me that that's our calling. And that's all of our calling. We have all been sent out. We have all been commissioned as disciples. And so it's not just to a pastor that, that we recognize Jesus is speaking at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. He sends his disciples, those who believe in him, out and says, you need to take the gospel to the whole world. That is the great, they call it the great commission because it applies to all believers. It applies to all of us to do this. To think that Jesus asked us to be the hands, the feet, and the mouths which bring his gospel to the whole world. We are in way over our head on this. This is way over my head. This is way beyond what I can do. But he doesn't leave us alone to do it. The only time that I'm in over my head is if I'm trying to do it on my own. And God gave us two things. He gave us his Holy Spirit, and he gave us each other. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, and he gave us each other as a body to do this as a team. He gave us team. And what a blessing it must have been for Epaphras, who is now with Paul, present in Rome. Remember, this is a prison epistle. Paul's locked in prison in Rome, waiting his trial before Caesar. And so Epaphras is there, and he's sharing with Paul the love the church has in the Spirit. He's like, these are the things that are going on. It's so cool. You ever been with somebody that's really excited about something, and you just start catching the energy a little bit? They're like, and then this is going on, and this is happening. You're like, dude, that's awesome. Paul hadn't been there before. 
He didn't plant this church in Colossae and, or the, the neighboring cities. He'd never even visited these, these cities before. This is just what's going on. And what a blessing it must have been for him to, to hear all of this from Epaphras and be like, dude, that's crazy cool. My kids love sharing their accomplishments with me. As parents, you know this. And, and that, that goes through stages. You know, their accomplishments range from look at the mess I made or check out this picture I drew for you. You know, there's always these really cool accomplishments that they have to show to you. And, and so as a parent, I think we can really understand, even as someone who, who invests in young people, you know what it's like when someone comes to you who's really excited about something and it just blesses your heart to see that they're like, check this out, you know. They're really stoked about it. Whether it's jumping up and down um, at, a, at a football game for me, for one of my boys, and, and trying not to be the loudest parent there, or, you know, appraising the latest colorful artistic addition to our pegboard, I, I get into what my kids enjoy. You know, that's just something that's cool. And here's the thing. God, our Father, wants us to be excited about what he's doing and report it. Check it out, you guys. This is exciting. Share about it. Encourage other people with, with it. We get so much negative news. You know, I, I found a new news app this last week, and, and I, I found out that it was alerting me too much. You know, it was, it, was, it was push notification. It was just way too much because everything I was reading was so depressing. It's like, this is just a drag. We get enough bad news. Are we actually sharing the good? Are we talking about the good? One character in a movie once said, like, there's no news like bad news. And it's funny because bad news sells. Negativity just, just spreads and spawns. And we need to be, as the church, telling people there's hope. And, and showing people that there's good and that there's awesome things happening and talking about it. It's something that we shouldn't be quiet about. And don't get sucked into the world's negative mentality. Don't get sucked into the hopelessness of our world. They're hopeless because they don't know Jesus. We don't have that excuse in a great way. <laughs> like, we know Jesus. We have so much to be hopeful for and excited about. And it's a blessing to share in the fruitfulness of a ministry, not only with God, but with each other. And Epaphras was able to offer um, this harvest up to the Lord and encourage Paul with it. Paul in prison going, dude, things are going so cool in Colossae. These people are, are growing. There's good stuff happening. Now, we know there's going to be some stuff that he has to adjust and, and prepare them to, to stand up against. But you understand, like, it's so encouraging to hear that people are doing well. It's so encouraging, especially, like, think about your family. When they call them and go, things are going really well. It's going really good. You know, like, and, and we're okay. We're doing all right. That's so encouraging. Um, the news inspires Paul to pray and to cheer the body of believers on in prayer. And the prayer, it's awesome. These are the kind of prayers I want to pray. Look at verse 9. He says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. When are you more likely to pray for someone? By the way, I'm guilty of this. When are we more likely to pray for someone? When things are bad? When they're in duress? When something's wrong? When they're not doing well? Or when they're doing well? If people are all right, what do you usually do? You good? Okay, good. On to the person who's in struggle. Hold on a second. Like, we do that all the time. Do you pray for people that are doing well? Do you encourage them in prayer and lift them up and be like, Lord, do more and more and more in their lives? Are we faithful to pray for everyone, including those who are doing all right? Because a lot of times the prayer requests I get, it, it's just stuff that's not going good. And, and, and we do praise reports, too. That it's not always just, you know, someone's not doing it. We, Lord, we're so excited about this. But what about just praying for the body to continue? 
praying for the body to take that next step of maturity that's so important and vital. Uh, we send out prayer requests often, you guys, but I, I think that this is something that convicted me. We need to be faithful to pray for the whole body, whether they're doing good or not. You know, we, 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 we're aware that things aren't going well, but are we lifting people up that are doing well? Um, because that's who Paul is praying for in this way. He says, for this reason, because they're doing well, because the church in Colossae has love in the Spirit, since the day we heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. Why? Well, because he wants them to mature and grow, and because we all know this to be true. Every single one of us knows this to be true. When things are going good, what's about to happen? Something's coming, Right? funny my wife and I learned this and, and you guys you guys get this you totally know what I'm talking about when when things are going on we get this there is going to be um, an opportunity for us to learn and grow because something bad is about to happen we you know we get a, a an unexpected check you know oh, it's an unexpected check yay and now now through experience Sarah and I look at you and go, why <laughs> not why did it get sent why did God just give this to us and so we'll kind of look around, and then you hear from the laundry room, you know, ah, okay, now I know, where, and, and we're going to go fix the washer machine now, right? Because every time, every time something, else, something good happens, like, why? Why is this good happening? And it's not because God's, like, you know, cursing me with something. He's, pro he's providing. That's amazing. But here's the point. Inevitably, Good things don't last forever, and there's many reasons why, but the primary is this. We don't grow in comfort. We don't grow when things are good. We rest, but you can't rest forever, church. You can't rest forever because then you get lazy. You get complacent. We do this together. Things are going so good, I think I'll put my feet up for the next year. Uh-uh. God's like, nope, calamity. You know, that's going to keep you moving. It's going to keep you growing. We have to pray fervently for those who are doing well to continue and to mature because it's not going to be easy forever. And if they are doing well, rejoice. They're doing well. More. Keep going. Pray that they won't stop. For the Lord to do exactly what Paul asked uh, him to do for this young church, Lord, do this in us. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He wasn't asking for them to get rich quick. He wasn't asking for them to be at ease. He asked that the Lord would fill them with the knowledge of his will and give them wisdom and spiritual understanding. It reminds me of Solomon's prayer. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. The realization of the task hits Solomon. You know, and he'd probably been seeing this coming for a while, but this hits Solomon. He says, here I am in the midst of your own chosen people. He's praying to God. A nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Solomon says, I can't do it alone. I need help. I need your wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. And the church in Colossae is facing a task that they're not going to be up to on their own. And so Paul is praying this over them. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Give them everything we need. May that be the prayer that we're praying over our church. Give us all the will, the, the understanding, the knowledge of the will of God, the spiritual awareness. Help us to be ready for what's coming, for what God's going to do here. Help us to be ready for whatever comes our way. Heretical teaching is coming for them and left unchecked. It's going to do indescribable damage to their bodies, so they need to be aware. Paul is about to reveal 
in the coming section that we're about to read. We've already read it. We're going to break it down. He's going to reveal the byproduct of being equipped by God. He's going to show what comes out of our lives and what happens when we're equipped by God. But we have to be equipped first. These are the things that come after that. Being equipped by God is where we start. And he does this. And we should know this. And my youth kids that, you know, from years ago would, would immediately be like, he does it through the word and he does it in prayer. He does it through his word and he does it through prayer. The importance of reading the word of God, just as a reminder, we know these verses, but we need to be reminded. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for recorrecting, for, tr- for training in ra- righteousness. Righteousness? Righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Notice equipped. The word of God equips us for all the things that God wants us to do. And he doesn't leave us there with that. Here in Colossians, Paul makes it clear that prayer is a part of that equipping as well. He's praying that God would equip his people. If we are in the word and if we are committing ourselves to prayer, how many times have you said that to somebody? You know, like, my life's a mess. Everything's wrong. Are you in your Bible and are you praying? No. Start there. Start there. That's the problem. You know that it's not going to fix your circumstances. It's going to fix your heart. It's going to direct your heart. It's going to align your heart with God so that you can handle it. And we'll see that in a minute. When we're equipped that way, we start producing. We start producing the types of things that God's called us to in any circumstance, in any place. CFD Mool. That's a fun name. He says this, prayer makes two great requests. It asks for understanding and insight into God's will and then for the power to perform that will. In prayer, we're asking for God for his understanding and his insight as to what he wants us to do, and then for the power to get it done. Lord, I see now, you got to empower me to do it. Corey Ten Boom, one of my favorite quotes of all time, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's so convicting. Coming from a gal who survived the Nazi, you know, in pr- you know prison camp, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is it something you bust out only when you need it, when you're in crisis? Or is it something that directs your life? Does your prayer life direct your life? When we submit to God in these ways, he equips us through his word, through prayer, to get done what he's called us to do. And that's why the so that in verse 10 is so important as we look at it. The church would be equipped so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And here's how we're fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. These are the things that God is equipping us for. And and here's something that we have to learn, you guys. Prayer and action go hand in hand. Prayer and action go hand in hand. We should never act before we pray. And when we pray, we have to act. But are we taking the time? This is convictionville for me because I I love reading, um, I think it's called Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds. It was a really good book that I read a long time ago. And he was talking about the, the, um, 
the theologians of old and how many hours they would pray. Martin Luther praying four hours, you know, to begin his day every day. And, and Jonathan Edwards and these guys who just prayed for four to six hours a morning, you know. And, and I, I think it was Luther, and, and don't quote me on this one, but I think it was Luther that said, I can't even tackle my day without at least four hours of prayer. And he goes, and if it's going to be a hard day, if, like, there's a lot coming, six. I'm like, <laughs> I'd be ready to go to bed. I mean, like, <laughs> just, like that's so insane. But do you want to be used by God? Do I want to be used by God? What did Jesus get up before the, you know, in the wee hours of the morning before his disciples were even awake? What was Jesus doing? Reading the Gospels. Jesus was up early in the morning praying to the point where Peter and the guys wake up one morning like, where'd he go? We got to go find Jesus. And he's out praying. You know, they find Jesus praying in the morning. If you want to see God using you powerfully, we have to begin with prayer because prayer and action will go hand in hand. And if we're taking action without prayer, that's scary. If we're taking action in our lives without praying about it, how many times have you reacted to a situation in your life and wish you prayed about it first? In the aftermath. Had a conversation. Wow, that was a train wreck. Now, it may still have been difficult, but if you had started with prayer, if I had started with prayer, how many times could that have been a better situation? Every time. Maybe the outcome still would have been a, a, a conflict of some kind, but if I had been prayed before then, if I had sought the Lord beforehand, my heart would have been in a better place. I would have been more aligned with the will of God, and so we must pray before we act, but they do go hand in hand. God's equipping enables us to do things that Paul points out in these verses. He's going to point out five separate things. We certainly can't accomplish any of them without him first giving us the ability to do them. He has to enable us to get these things done. Once that empowering of knowledge of his will, the wisdom, the spiritual understanding is in place, we begin walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Not just walking out our life as best as we can, trying to look like a biblical character. By the way, that's not going to work so well. Don't model your life after the Old Testament guys. They made a lot of mistakes. You know, we're like, I'm just doing what King David did. Oh, please don't. Like, it's, it's okay to, to, to look at David's heart and be like, that's something I want. But we have to recognize this. God also showed you their faults. Why? Because Jesus is the one you model your life after. Don't model your life after men. Don't model your life after women. Model your life after Jesus. Jesus showed that he had tons of grace on people who failed. And God throughout the Old Testament shows, I used all of these people in spite of who they are. So if you submit completely and you follow Christ's example, how much more will he use us? P.S. It won't look anything like what you think. It's going to be so much better. So much better in the long run because it's going to be kingdom focused. It'll be God's glory administering. And so we start walking worthy of the Lord when we're empowered with the knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. And God equips us to walk worthy, meaning that our lives are a reflection of him. When you hear fully pleasing, when you read that, fully pleasing to him, think this, clear reflection. A clear reflection in other words, when people look at us, they're seeing a clear reflection of Christ. They're seeing a clear reflection of who Jesus is. Can that be said of us, church? This is our prayer for each other. Lord, take us there. Take us deeper and deeper, farther up and further in. Help us to know you more so that we are a clear reflection of Jesus. So what are the byproducts of walking worthy of the Lord? They're right here. It's awesome. And I love this. Those who walk worthy do these things. And the first one that we see 
is bear fruit. Those who walk worthy bear fruit. Doing good work is valuable. Doing good work is valuable. It doesn't earn us salvation, but it's the product of our salvation. So when we do good works, we're not earning anything. We're not achieving anything for ourselves. It is the outpouring. It is the necessary outpouring of a life changed. And so when we do good, when we bear fruit, it's not earning us anything. It's something that comes from the life of someone who is walking worthy, who is equipped. We should be bearing fruit. We do best to think about it in terms as Jesus described in John 15, verses 5 through 8. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We know these verses. These are really familiar. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's run that backwards. What proves that you're his disciple? You can say it. It's okay. It's a small room. What proves that you're his disciple? Producing fruit. Just a little? Much. Church, that's where we're going. That's my heart for this ministry. That's my goal for what we're doing is that we would produce much fruit. We have all been called by the Lord. We have all been equipped with his Holy Spirit. We've all been empowered by him. It's time to start producing a lot of fruit. And if we produce much fruit in this community, God is going to do things. He is going to empower us to continue. He's going to take us through struggles and show us what it's like to endure all of these things that we're about to read. He's going to prepare us and equip us for all of this. This has just been on my heart, my mind so much lately. I just put it, uh, we're working on designing the website right now. And, And on the website on the front, I put loving Jesus, equipping the church. Like our goal is to get together, to love Jesus together, to be equipped by him and to get out. We are equipped so that we can do. We are equipped so that we can go out and work and see that fruit come. And we desire to see God do this in our ministry. So the ones who walk worthy bear fruit. That's the first one. Number two is this. Those who walk worthy grow. Those who walk worthy grow. It goes hand in hand with the bearing fruit idea, but I want you to think about it a little bit differently. While while we can be filled with the knowledge of his will, it's, it's cool to be like, I want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Yet there's something about God that we are always going to be learning. There's something about the Lord that we're always going to be learning about. No one on this earth, first of all, nobody knows everything. Write that one down. That's special. Right? We all get this. And, and sometimes we act, you know, like, oh, she's a, he's just a know-it-all. She's just a know-it-all. It's like, nobody knows everything. Right? Nobody. But here's the point. We can be filled with the knowledge of God, but as finite beings, as created beings, we are always learning about an infinite God. There is always something that we are learning about. And so in knowing God, we are growing in that knowledge of him always. Nobody achieves, you know, top level in this. We all keep going on in that knowledge of God. In fact, the more you know him, the less you realize you actually know the less you realize, because as you get closer to a large object, it starts getting bigger. You notice that's far off. You're like, that's tiny. You know, as a kid, you ever block out the moon? You know, but then as you get closer to the moon, what happens? Gets a lot bigger, right? And you realize that it's not something you can block out with your thumb. It's something you actually can walk around on. And by the way, you should never put a restaurant there because, you know, there's no atmosphere. Um, But 
you know, at times, things that aren't my notes should stay. Not on my notes. Just dad, my dad's jokes just jumped into my brain in that very moment. You ever go to the restaurant on the moon? Great food, great service, no atmosphere. You guys, the closer we get to God, the more we know about him. And do we have a heart to get close with God? Do we have a heart to be closer to him, to know him more, to explore that? And this is what Paul said in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 9. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but the one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. He says this, I've left it all behind compared to knowing him, and in knowing God we grow. We want to grow in the knowledge of God, not head knowledge, heart knowledge. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. We know this as people. I can know about somebody through stories online or or through watching, you know, news segments, but I don't know them. I know about them. You know, there are people in this room that I know, but there's no one that I want to know more than God. Not about, no. His heart, his vision, his character, who he is. I just want to spend time with the Lord. And so we need to be growing. Those who walk worthy, they continue in that relationship growth. Those who walk worthy, the third thing that we see in this text is that they they are strengthened. Those who walk worthy are strengthened. And and notice this in verse 11. He says that being strengthened with all power. This is his prayer over this church. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I love that it's not even based on me. Being strengthened with all his power. The most powerful thing in the world isn't comparable to the God who made it. And he says we are going to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not just supplemented by. Not just like filled with really quickly and then taken back. We want to be strengthened by him as a a matter of dependency. This is dependency. This is dependent. I am absolutely relying on him to strengthen me because without him, I have no strength at all. We have to realize that God is not interested in being a supplement to our lives. He's not a pill you take. Jesus doesn't want to be a supplement. He's not a supplement. That's not how it works. We don't add him to our lives to make us better. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. He wants to be our everything because that's his rightful place. God created us with a hole inside that only he can fill. Only he can be the one who sustains us and that we can depend upon and be strengthened by. We'll read it again. We read it just before, but in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Please notice the last part. Because you can do nothing without me. Nothing. I don't know if you looked it up in the Greek, but nothing in the Greek, it actually means nothing. Like, it, it's, you can't do anything without him. Nothing productive. Nothing glorifying to God. And do, we must. We need to be doing things. We need to be doing and accomplishing the work that we've been put here to do. But if we're doing it apart from him, it's valueless. It's profitless. And so as the vine, we need to be attached. The poet John Drinkwater that's a cool name. <laughs> Makes you wonder how his family got their name. You are Drinkwater. John Drinkwater wrote this. Cool name. 
Knowledge we ask not, knowledge thou hast lent. But, Lord, the will, there lies our deepest need. Grant us to build above the high intent, the deed, the deed. I love that line. Grant us to build above the high intent. It's the deed. In other words, we cannot be satisfied with intention. We must be empowered to act. We must be empowered to do. And in order to do, we have to be strengthened. We have to be dependent upon Christ to do anything that's worth doing. But we cannot be satisfied with, well, I'm just in a season of, you know, kind of figuring things out. Well, I get that. There's seasons that we go through that. But that season should be spending time with the Lord to be empowered to do. He wants to strengthen us to be doers and not hearers only. In prayer, church, we have to get this. In prayer, we reach knowledge plus power. We reach knowledge plus power. Time to take my pill. No, we, we, we reach knowledge plus power. We, we reach the heart of God and what his will is, and the power is given to get it done. God doesn't leave us hanging in this. He's not leaving us hanging. And so, why are we strengthened? We're bearing fruit. The ones who walk worthy bear fruit. You know, the ones who walk worthy are growing in the Lord and in, and in who he is and knowing him. They're being strengthened. All of that for what? The thought process continues. The fourth thing he highlights, those who walk worthy patiently, joyfully, and thankfully endure. All those together. Now think about the last time you used those words in conjunction with one another. Patiently, joyfully, and thankfully endure. You know, how many, how many people tell you, I'm just, just trying to get through it, man, just living for the weekend. You know, I'm just trying to get through this, just trying to, mm, but, it, it, but it's not like the getting through it as in like, I'm going to flourish as I get through it. It's like, I'm surviving, right? I'm just surviving. And for the world, medicating so that they can survive in a lot of ways, you know, and, and, and drinking to forget and taking things to numb. You guys, here's the thing. The Lord empowers us through knowing him and strengthens us so that we can patiently, joyfully, and thankfully endure so that we can do this his way, so that we can honor him and accurately reflect him in how we're enduring hardship so that you have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. With the doing comes hardship. And church, we know this. With living our lives in a way that honors Christ, there comes hardship. There's hardship in this world for everyone. But for believers, we have an extra layer because there's also hardship for those who are in Christ. I don't know how the world handles their stuff without him. It's absolutely baffling to me. I don't know how they do it because I have to have the Lord. I have to have Jesus. I have to have him, you know, the, the person that I'm depending on, the one that I'm holding on to, the one that my hope is in. If I didn't have Jesus for my hope, I wouldn't be around. And that's just a fact. I would not be around if Jesus wasn't my hope. And I don't know how the world is doing this. And if you look at it, they're not doing real well. They're not doing real well. They're crumbling, they're falling apart, and we are here to tell them there's an answer for this. Now, God has to do the work, but are we planting those seeds? Are we showing them that they can patiently and joyfully and thankfully live through this life, through whatever they're going through? Or are we showing them 
an inaccurate picture of people who go through struggle because we're falling apart and we're not relying on Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's doable because his spirit empowers us. And whenever I start falling apart, it's because I'm, I'm trusting me. Our prayer needs to be, make me, O Lord, victorious over every circumstance. Make me patient with every person. Give me the joy which no circumstance and no one will ever take from me. I'll read that again because this really impacted me. Make me, O Lord, victorious over every circumstance. Make me patient with every person and give me the joy which no circumstance and no one will ever take from me. All of those things are offered to us in Jesus. All of those things are accessible in his word and through prayer. I just have to receive it. I just have to receive it. And if you're like, I'm having a hard time receiving it, spend more time in prayer. Start there. Spend some significant time at the feet of the Lord and let him spend some time on you. Let him work some things out in you. I was telling our our team this morning as we were praying before service, I said, you know, I'm really trying to intentionally make more time to pray. And even this morning, I I get really distracted in prayer. I've just, it's my brain. And and I I think of a thousand different things. I get super distracted. And so this morning, and, and I've been trying to do this more often, I just sat and tried to get as quiet as I possibly could. And I mean in my mind and in my heart, just quiet everything down, dial it all down. And you know what's crazy? It's really hard to do, but if I focus and I intentionally quiet things down so I can hear him, he speaks to me. He absolutely speaks to me. Sometimes quickly, sometimes it takes time, but he always speaks to me when I take time to get quiet. Church, get quiet with the Lord. That's how we can be people who are patient in every circumstance, who are victorious in Christ, and and who have joy no matter what's going on. And finally, the final thing that he says, the fifth thing that he um, says that those who walk worthy do is they share the inheritance. We can give thanks to the Father, says in verse 12, who has enabled, he says, who has enabled you, speaking to the church, to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Now, for Gentiles, this was a big deal. For Gentiles, this is a big deal, and this is a a Gentile-dominated church, but we can read this in a number of ways and apply it. Jesus extends salvation to all of us through his sacrifice, to all who will believe, and it's salvation to Jew or Greek, to slave or free, to rich or poor. It doesn't matter. It's to all of us. We believe that. We see it in Scripture. And those who walk worthy are not earning this share of inheritance. We give thanks to the Father who enables us. Notice that. Look at that verse again in verse 12. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. In other words, this isn't based on you, and you didn't have anything to do with it. God has enabled you to share in that inheritance. Whose inheritance? Well, the saints, but whose inheritance is it ultimately? It's Christ's. You're sharing in Jesus' inheritance. You're sharing in his glory because he has hidden you in himself. And when God looks at you, former sinners, you're like, I still struggle with sin. But that's not how God sees you. God sees you in Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Stop condemning yourself. That's why Paul said in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because God looks at you and sees Christ. There's nothing to condemn. It's forgiven, past, present, and future. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? You guys... We share in an inheritance. Followers of Jesus, we share in this inheritance. That's hope. That's future. 
That's irrevocable. You can't take that away. No one's going to walk up and go, I'm taking your inheritance that God has given to you. Good luck. As Jesus would say in Luke chapter 12, he's like, don't worry about people. They can only kill you. Don't worry about them. Fear God. Fear God. Because if your inheritance is in Christ and God's glory, no one touches that. And so hope is renewed. Hope is restored. Hope is given a new spark. As we, when we as a church remember that God has given us his word and he has given us this open door of communication to him in prayer so that he can equip us to walk worthy. And as Paul will go on to tell the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, therefore walk worthy in the calling that God has given you. Walk worthy of your calling. Your sons and daughters of the king. Never forget that. Never let the world try to mask that from you. They can't take it away from you. When did you last take a moment? When have we last taken a moment, church, to just thank God for saving us? To just thank God for saving us. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for pulling me out of the sinful lifestyle I was in. And, and when was the last time that we just sat in his presence and let him just pour that into us? His grace, his love, his acceptance, his heart. From who we were, and all of us has a story. All of us have stories. From who we were, remember who you were? To a new creation. That is no small feat. That's something only God can do, and he's done it in Christ. We should just thank him. We should just thank him and ask for more of him. More of him and less of us. May we have the heart of John the Baptist as a ministry and as a church in this community. May there be less of us and more of him. Every single one of us coming to God, whoever God brings to fellowship with us and say, we just want to be less about ourselves and more about what Jesus is doing because he deserves all the credit, all the glory, and we're all going to him. We're going back to him. We just want to make him proud and be good stewards. Let's pray together, and we'll have uh, some time. If the worship team wants to come up, um, we're just going to end our time with worship, and um, I'm going to give us a minute just to pray and, and to just thank the Lord individually in our own hearts um, for what God's doing in our lives and, and, and how he's ministered to us, and I just hope that this is refreshing for us, church, just to remember the love that Christ has for us this morning. Father, as we uh, just take a minute, and as we just seek to Lord, to just receive what you have for us in this time, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, just to, to look at your word and see how you've equipped us and what you equip us for. God, I pray that these are the things that the world would see. I pray that they would see us bearing fruit. God, growing in, in our relationship with you, strengthened by you, patiently and joyfully. <sighs> Lord, enduring. And God, I, I just... Um, I pray that we would always remember that we share, Lord, in that amazing inheritance. Remind us of who we are and why we, apart from you, we can't do anything. That's such a precious truth, Lord. It gives us strength, especially when we feel weak. Lord, I pray that we would know you and that we would experience you in a, a new and fresh way every day. Lord, as we just take a minute with our heads bowed, God, I just pray that thankfulness would pour from our hearts to you.